Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a It's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. You're listening to a special edition of Over the Top Cycling. At the Over the Top Studios at Scratch Labs in Boulder, Colorado, I'm George Thomas, and we are here with the primary folks behind the Hammer film, Scott Hornsby, David Stiles, Kate Hovey, back here uh, off microphone. Uh, Welcome to the show. You're in town for a screening of the movie? Thanks for having us. This is not my normal voice. This is me sick and all, but uh, I thought about the fact that I woke up at 4.30 and I'm sick, and now I'm going to talk about a guy who had no sleep and got run over. So <laughs> my complaining is over right now. David? I don't think his complaining is over right now. No, but it, it, it's a good try, Scott. Well, you guys were like, what, stuck in a car together for 10 days? Off and on, yeah. Yeah, we certainly did the first. Did we, uh, did we do the first 48 hours together? Uh, we did the first, I think, 30 together. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. So the Hammer film, kind of go into the the detail of this thing. How did it take uh, fruition? How did it, how did it even start? Um, <laughs> it's a pretty interesting story, actually. Um, Styles and I met at a um, what would you call it? A uh, vocational uh, training academy. Yeah, <laughs> for. A f- not a physical therapy. Personal, uh, personal training. training. Personal training. In New York. You're right. In uh, 2007. Uh, in 2010, I went to film school. I did a short that did pretty well. Next thing I know, like all filmmakers, you're shooting a behind the scenes of something called uh, Bikers vs. Nazis 3D. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> so that sounds you, like a good one. Right? Trauma, trauma films we, comes it's, it's to a, life in the 2000s. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> so, I mean, this is how, this is how everyone gets started, you know? Uh, and then you post that on Facebook, and then someone you haven't spoken to, maybe a little bit on and off, in three years goes, hey, I see you're doing movies. Ever thought about doing a documentary? And I said, yeah, what do you have in mind? And then he told me about something called The Race Across America, and I wrote him back, and I was like, this is nuts, no way. Yeah, he said, why would anybody want to do that? Correct. Yeah, I didn't have a good answer. And so that was around Thanksgiving, and then uh, at the time, I was working on a script uh, with someone who became the co-producer. We flew out to Palm Springs, and we were like, what the heck? Let's just film these guys and see what it's about, see if there's an opportunity there. And uh, we met Jason the Hammer Lane, and David Stiles I knew was somewhat of a goofball. And they were both charismatic in their own way. Even June, who is an introvert, but on camera, once she gets passionate, I mean, she really kind of takes over the screen. 
And so we looked at each other, my co-producer and I, and said, you know what? Let's try and make this happen. Now, I just want to back up a little bit. I mean, the logistics. First of all, Race Across America is a 3,000-mile nonstop bicycle race. By nonstop, the clock is always running, does not stop for any reason. So anytime a rider stops, they're losing time. As a film crew, the logistics of doing this to capture the whole story, I mean, that's insane. You've got crew vehicles, you've got a rider, you've got so many stories within a story. How do you determine what you're going to going to focus on? Did it morph as the race went along? I, what it's like uh, Mike Tyson says, you've got a game plan going into a fight until you get punched in the face. And I remember uh, Styles sent out his uh, crew chief, I mean, yeah, your kind of schedule. rotation. Yeah. And it looked so neat and it was color coded <laughs> and it was perfect. And I was like, oh, my God, how are we ever going to match this? And so we kind of had a rough idea of it. And then that's exactly what happens. You do the first 48 hours. You see, We had about a seven or eight man crew. You kind of see who's up for it and see who's not quite there. And you kind of just put your gamers in. And I'd say after the it's almost maybe. Like doing a relay team, I don't. I've, I'm not sure the logistics of that, but it's like who's ready to go in, um, and that's kind of how we did it. We had about seven or eight people, two people sleeping at all times. I'd say was our only rule. And I mean, yeah, because when you're sleeping, you're missing action, and even when the rider's sleeping, when the crew is interacting, you're missing that action if you're not there. I mean, did you? Was it hard for you to take a break? Yes. Um, so we always had someone in the follow vehicle. We always had someone in the RV. And what else was there? Um, I guess there were, there, were, there were people sleeping or there were yeah. people at the next <laughs> destination getting some sort of B-roll. Yeah. Like where, where are we going to be next? Well, you also had a – you had a pilot car that was kind of roaming around the rider. So you had a camera going right. with a car with the rider. So, he, so they had a – a car going with Jason. We had a media car, right? Right, exactly and then right, we yeah. had a person in the follow vehicle with us, and then you had somebody in the RV with the the people who were off shift on the crew. So there were three cameras pretty much going for ten days. So David, as crew chief of Race Across America, I mean, you've got so much responsibility. You've got the rider. How did you select the crew? How many people did you have on the crew? How many vehicles did you have? Uh, I can't remember at this point. <laughs> it's kind of all a blur to me. Well, um, we don't need to be exact on the numbers, uh, right, well, but how did a, you put the a, team together? We well, it was it started with who do we want, and then when they all said no, we said who who do we you know think we can handle, and then when they all said no, it was okay. Who can we get? And uh, so we had one of Jason's good friends that he used to adventure race with when he was in high school, and he was kind of like our number two guy. And he was a mechanic and knew everything about Jason and racing and all that stuff. So me and him kind of worked off of each other. And then everybody else, we got, um, well, June, my girlfriend, I talked to her, well, kind of told her she was going to come. And then um, we got, gosh, I can't even remember who's well, on the crew at this point. Well, one of the yeah. biggest things was you had the big rolling turd is what oh, they yeah. called their RV. Yeah. Oh, and I, I mean, the RV driver yeah, is a huge part of the crew, but at the same time. It's a huge it, part of the movie. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So Dennis, Dennis is uh, another friend of Jason's, and he used to do support crew for Jason when he was doing adventure races 
with one of his other teammates, Laura, who they all live in, in Toronto. And so somehow Jason said, uh, Dennis, would you be interested in driving your 40-foot motorhome out to California and then driving it back across the country? And he was just like, yeah, which blew me away completely. But uh, he became a big part of it. And then we got a professor from the university that sponsored us and an intern an unpaid intern from the university Mo, as well. Yeah. I was going to say, hey, this sounds like you're going to get lost on a deserted island yeah. after a three-hour tour with yeah, a absolutely. professor. Did you have a Marianne on the? Uh, I no. think, no. Well, no, but we were dying for one. We were dying for a Marianne. Yeah. yeah. We could have used a Marianne and a ginger probably. Totally. Yeah. I'm, no, who but, was Gillen? Who was Gilligan, also, though? I mean, you were, you were talking about the pros and cons of having this big yeah. RV because – um, where were we saying at the Motel 8 or something like Super that? Super 8 Motel. The, the Super yeah. 8. And you've got these top racers that I've now kind of researched a little bit, so I know names. And they've got their little rinky-dink RVs. And yeah, now gonna, we roll I, in Personally, with this I don't huge like thing. big RVs out there. but No, and it turned out yeah, to not yeah. be the greatest thing for a racer to be super comfortable. And even though we're filming it and we're trying to be uh, objective, you like this guy. You're pulling for this guy. It makes a better movie if this guy wins. And all of a sudden, we're like, don't get in that comfy bed. <laughs> yeah, he was <laughs> on your a, bike. Yeah, climbing yeah. into a king-size bed in an air-conditioned RV in the back. I mean, well, I mean, so we didn't realize that, obviously, at the beginning, that, that the giant rolling turd was going to be our worst enemy because from a racer standpoint, like, he's ready to fall asleep somewhere on the side of the road, but the turd is like, 20 miles down the road. So we got to coax him through 20 miles of riding while he's falling off his bike practically. And by the time he gets there, he's not tired, so he doesn't really want to sleep. So the logistics of it were, were horrible. And when we came back the following year, we just had a van. And we, when he oh, fell was asleep, gonna, my we just favorite place the, to sleep during Ram is in the follow car. We put him in the ditch a couple of times. Yeah. But I mean, that same sort of thing, you know. But that year, you had the RV, you had the pickup truck, which was being towed by the RV. Or we could take it off and drive it around. You had the follow vehicle, which yep. was so impressively equipped and organized. Yeah. Which also a is a big part it. of the movie because Dave kind of loses his beep, depending on what I'm allowed to say, when things aren't properly organized. And I can oh, understand yeah, yeah. that because <laughs> things, I, that. I can see where <laughs> things need to be in a perfect place, especially if you're trying to continuously shave time. And there's everything that you could possibly need in the back of a van for a guy for 10 days. And when he wants his, you know, fuzzy Superman socks, you have to find them. And if somebody doesn't put them in the right place, then you get yelled at. Yeah. The amount of organization they had to do was very impressive. And I'd say what we had to do, I'm very proud of. But for us, it was mainly who's a fresh body, who needs to be what car, who needs to be where. So ours was more at a at a, a macro level and a gigabyte level of all things where they're really kind of, you know, every mile nutrition wise and everything else. Yeah. So David, you've got this group of people from all over the country countries cause Canada and the U S yep. uh, how, how long did they actually stay cohesive? Uh, I mean the verdict's kind of still out on that one, but it, it somewhere between probably 20 minutes and 20 hours, I think, we broke down. Yeah. I mean, and the funny thing is it's like it actually went the other. It, it I'm, like I'm assuming coaster. your first 
disagreements started before the race even began. Oh, absolutely. Because we were at my, so I lived in Palm Springs at the time, and we were at my place. The whole crew was there for about a week ahead of time, and we were organizing and doing stuff. And one of the guys, mechanic, Ed, was was trying to put on new wheels. He had tubular wheels, um, and he was putting on new tires onto his, uh, Jason's backup wheels. And he spent, I kid you not, 40 hours with acetone cleaning the old glue off of his his rims so that he could re-glue the new ones on. It was like every time Jason and I would come around the corner and we'd see him, he'd be there scrubbing away trying to get the, the, the little bits of glue off of the wheels, and we'd be like, you're not even remotely doing anything important right now. And that sort of stuff. I mean, that the boiling over point was in was in Parker. Arizona at that time station, and, and that's in the film. And that was boiling over. That was We're talking over. a day into the race, basically. Yeah, yeah. But the funny thing is is that once you hit that boiling over pot part with us, it, it really it got better after that. There was a couple of little hiccups along the way with individuals, but everybody's, everybody's kind of position on the crew, everybody's – the hierarchy all got, got settled there. Because when Jason asked me to do it um, – he, you know, he had had his knees rebuilt like two years prior to that, and I hadn't raced with him since I had been uh, in school with Scott. Actually, at I remember I went to a three-day adventure race during that course that we were taking, mm-hmm. and I came back in, and my legs were all swollen and scarred up and stuff, and Scott looked at me like, this guy's an idiot. This was the dude that was rollerblading to class two hours <laughs> to and fro every day. It wasn't day, two so hours. He was like, I'm going to go on a three-day adventure race. I was yeah. like, of course you are. Right. Yeah. So long story short, um, you know, there wasn't really clear ideas of who was going to be in charge because Jason had asked me and Ed at the same time, and we were going to be co-crew chiefs. Yeah, that doesn't last. Good. I'm glad <laughs> you're no. getting to this because yeah. this is important. And and so, but on the on the race documents, like on on the Ram website, when you sign up, there's one crew chief, and and it's really not necessarily the person in charge; it's the person that reports to Ram is kind of what it is, and. And we didn't realize that. It was like, who's in charge of the crew? And obviously, me being a type A control freak, wanted to be in control. And and I had been training with Jason over the course of the winter and all that stuff. So when Ed came in and we were all together, there was this this power struggle. There's a power struggle. We do not know who is in charge. And that's pretty much what it was like up until Parker. And when Parker hit, it was like... There's a point in the movie... And I think it took me a few times to watch it. I called Dave <laughs> and I said, you know, there's a point during this quote unquote fight where you go, you know, you are. And he stops himself. He's about to say co-crew chief. Yeah. He said the guy in charge at this moment or yeah, something. Yeah. No, because he certainly yeah. qualified it as you are right. not the crew. chief. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was he came out of the van and he was in charge of the follow vehicle for a shift and we were. I was coming on shift with a crew, and he was going off shift. And there was this whole debacle at this gas station where people had climbed out of the vehicle beforehand, and there were bags on the side of the, the street. And then, you know, he, he backs the van up. And I'm looking for something I can't find. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And it turns out it's like 30 feet away at one of the other pumps, but it's just sitting in the middle of of the street. It was a bike computer, right? Not something you really want to lose. And um, and I got really upset with him. And I just and he started rushing around real fast. And I just needed him to stop and just slow down for a minute. And one of my mantras throughout the whole race was slower is faster. And he was going at the speed of light. And when I reached out to have him stop, I just said, you're the guy, you're the guy in charge here. And that's what I finished it with. Because I was about to say, probably you're the co-crew chief or you're the crew chief something of that. Like that that shift or something like that and i realized this is this is my time to take control and i did kate what's kate what's uh, what's one of our mantras now when you get very aggravated when i say this to you slower is faster, slower is faster. she hates it but it's true i'm like <laughs> slow down slower <laughs> is faster yeah we're good but i'll tell you and i guess you know i guess pun intended because i'm saying it there were completely different styles of when David Styles was in charge and when Ed was in charge. And I think it was completely appropriate that Styles took over because he was much more meticulous. And Ed was a friend from school um, who really was a compassionate cheerleader, which I think was a very important part of the hammer doing what he was able to do. So but I think their roles chief. really complemented one another and the hierarchy was appropriate after that Parker confrontation. So what was it like having a film crew there, David? Did that actually add to the stress? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, did you see people wanting to perform when the camera was there or change their personality somewhat? There was some of that. There, there was definitely some of that going on. Um, there was also, at points, there were times when the camera crew was doing what they were supposed to do, which was kind of get in our face a little bit and find out what's going on. And that rubbed people the wrong way. And I didn't really mind, you know, like my sister's a Broadway actress. We always loved being on center stage and doing that stuff. So I didn't mind having a camera around. And in reality, I kind of was the one that was like, hey, Jason, you want to do a documentary? And he's like, whatever. And then I was like, hey, Scott, you want to do a documentary? And he was like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. So when... I didn't really care about the camera, but there were other people that they'd get a camera shoved in their face and they'd start getting really uh, self-conscious or upset or, you know, just it, it was abrasive. And Scott, did you notice that? Well, I think certainly on day one, everyone is trying to perform. I mean, I think once we got these mics rolling here, I'm trying to be, okay, how am I going to, what's my energy going to be? <laughs> you know, and everyone is trying to put, um, trying to figure out who they are. But then by day two or day three, you really are just a part of the race in pulling for Jason. And I think when when things got really rough between both the crews, it's because we were trying to protect the film and they're trying to protect their writer. And especially Dennis. I think between one of our 
um, film crew members and Dennis, they really butted heads probably after day two. And I think it really was because one was trying to protect each of their own entities. I'm trying to tell this story and figure out what's going on. And Dennis is like, I'm here for the hammer and you need to get out of my face. And at the time it was like, hey, we're here for access. We need the access. But I think ultimately it actually made for a better story. And I think everyone was playing their roles properly. Um, and I think everyone was relatively very authentic by, I would say, within, you know, you go for the first, if you're trying to win, you go for the first 48 hours with no sleep, right? Something like that. Mm -hmm. That makes everyone authentic. That makes everyone forget <laughs> about the cameras. Seriously. Yeah. You're just trying to get to the next day. Um, and I think that's, you know, so, I mean, of all the people, Styles was maybe the most charismatic performer. But I think even that dies down when, you know, again, you're sleep deprived and you just want to get your friend across the country safely. And in first place, that was always a goal, which I think kept everyone on their toes in it to win it really made. I think both crews get to the brink and then back off when need be. Now, you have a quote of mine on your movie poster, the best Ram movie ever made. And that is not edited or dubbed. I think this is the best Ram movie ever made. And how is it that you were able to get the tone, the feel of the crew? You really put some things on film that I've never seen done before. I love that you didn't glamorize this. Uh, there's no just overwhelming music. It's not a thing of beauty. You're actually showing this race for what it is. And it can get really ugly. Uh, and you show that. You show the hard part for the rider. You show some really rough crew interaction. You, you just picked up on a lot of things that I felt made this film special. First of all, thank you. Um, it actually does mean a lot to have someone who was the race director that year and has probably seen so many Ram movies um, to actually say that. Uh, I'm going to be glib and I'm going to be honest. All it takes is no post-production funding and, <laughs> and the fact say. that you bring your best friend from film school who had just lost his job and you call him up and say, look, things have just gone really bad this past year. I need an editor. Do you want to try and do your first documentary? And he was like, I'm in. And that's really what it took is it took kind of, I don't know what this would have been had we been fully funded and you had had a bunch of different people with all of their input, we said, let's just make a movie that would be interesting for us to watch. And let's, I guess we didn't really say this up front. I'm not a cyclist. I'm not a endurance racer. So I was coming at it from, we always had this quote, I would say, or this saying, I want the housewife in Iowa to really enjoy this movie. And it's just gonna happen to be about cycling. So that was our philosophy. And um, we just kind of tried to make the best out of what we thought was an interesting adventure that just happens to take place on a bike. And I said from day one, this is a love story about a friend and friends trying to get someone from point A to point B, and a lot of bad stuff happens in between. A lot of egos get shattered, and they have, they have to rebuild themselves 
uh, and they get there. Not to spoil it, but they yeah. get there. <laughs> I, I mean, I think that's a really good point, too, because cause the editor doesn't have anything to do with cycling either. And I didn't even come into the post-production process as continuity until it was basically cut. And and I just came in to make sure that, you know, when they said they were in Kansas, we were actually in Kansas. That's very true. So so in reality, this is a, a – it may even be one of the first Ram movies that was made – by a non-cyclist, by someone who's first and foremost a filmmaker, as opposed to a cyclist who is bringing a camera along with them. It was it was certainly, let's get the story right as we take it in. Because, I mean, everyone in this room could talk later about this podcast, and it would all be a little bit different, right? But there would have to be certain facts. So we needed to go back to Styles after we thought we had a good story and say, okay, there's going to be real people that really care about the race and uh and the facts of the race now how do we take this story and make sure that we're not you know doing anything that doesn't you know that just isn't crazy outside the loop of factual and so yeah actually styles became a big part of this post-production um intellectually and uh, creatively and graphically even i learned how to animate learned how to animate yeah well, I mean, I don't know if you know, I've been involved with the race since 1993, 23 years. And again, I'm just, I want people to watch this. It is a fantastic film. You guys did a great job. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks. We want as many people as possible yeah. to watch. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so as a filmmaker, as you're part of this race going across the country, was there a point where it was hard for you to stay objective? Did you feel like, oh my gosh, I really want to start helping out? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I was definitely not uh, object. Well, okay, that's it. That, that's interesting. I'm pulling for him, and I'm pulling for him to win. Um, I'm objective in terms of uh, definitely, especially the questions when Styles and I were in a car together, I certainly felt like I could ask him anything. Even at one point, uh, I'm kind of surprised that I start to hide the camera and I ask him if he regrets filming a documentary. But I've pressed record and I'm kind of hiding it. And I don't know why. I For guess, the record, I knew you were still filming. Sure, it. but you know what? <laughs> I guess I didn't want a performance. I wanted the actual answer. Um, Did I give it to you? Yeah, no, I mean, we we had this, so our first cut was like two and a half hours because we had some really great stuff in there, but you can only have a movie so long and keep people's interest. But I say um, I wanted him to win. I definitely wanted him to finish in the same, I was pulling very hard for him to finish in the same place as when he got, can I say what happens to him? <laughs> well, sure. sure. So, I mean, <laughs> on day three, the hammer gets run over by a car. Um, and there's tire marks on his back. And so, look, let me be completely honest. I really liked Jason then. Um, I was pulling for him very hard. When he gets run over, I'm now in the hospital, and I'm calling my girlfriend at the time, who had secured us our first initial funding, I've got my head in my hands, and I'm feeling bad for myself. This is my first kind of big break, and this is this is a big feature doc, and I mean, I can't believe this is over, and I'm feeling bad for Jason, because I feel, and I said this to our uh, investor, 
and he tried to correct me on it. We were all in this for our own selfish reasons. And I think that's okay. And I think that's why the product became what it was. Um, kind of lost my train of thought. <laughs> <now>. <laughs> I'm glad we can edit this out. Um, oh, but we won't. Okay, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is where the magic happens. Oh, my this God. Is this is real. This is where the NyQuil kicks in. Yeah, yeah. The Scoochie Mouse is down for the count. Oh, my goodness. Uh, but in terms of being objective, then once he got back on his bike, it was kind of, okay, he's not going to win. And we were still really interested because even as Dennis says in the movies, there could be a tornado in Kansas. We're not pulling for anyone to get hurt, but that could happen. So I was always pulling for him to win. We were obsessively checking the iPads uh, to see where he was in the race. Um, there's a point in the movie where I've got a board and we're doing the splits between him and other racers. Uh, it made it fun, but it didn't stop us from really getting down to what's actually going on. Because this is, like I said, this movie's about the warts and all. You know, no one gets glamorized as a hero. And you do that very well. Now, you did say that a movie could only be so long for people to keep their interest. Well, a podcast can only be so long for people to stay interested. And we're kind of right at that time. <laughs> How can people find out more information about The Hammer Film? So definitely uh, thehammerfilm.net. I'm going to look at my wife and also Styles or some other options here. Uh, the hammermovie.net that we just purchased will redirect you to that. Look for us on Facebook. Team Hammerfest. Ram. The Hammer Movie on Instagram as well. And uh, do we have Twitter going? We don't have Twitter. Jason has Twitter. Twitter's, Twitter. Coming. Twitter's on its Twitter's way. Twitter's on its way. You guys yeah. are in a film festival. We are in a, in a film festival, we the Frozen River Film Festival. <laughs> Correct, yeah. And we're, we're crashing. We're the crashing the Boulder, Boulder Film International Festival. Film Festival tomorrow. Yeah. At Flatirons, is that correct? Uh, Flatirons running. The yeah, run Flatirons hub. Flatirons running, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. By the time so. this is online, it's probably not going to be tomorrow, though. It'll be like two days ago. You missed it. Yeah, but I might get this up tonight. We're oh. hoping, we're hoping mm -hmm. that the housewife in Iowa says this is just enough time, and we're acutely aware, and hopefully it's the case, that the Ram nerds, and I say that very affectionately, or the cycling <laughs> nerds, will have wanted to see a two-hour cut. Yeah. And uh, maybe we'll make that available in the future. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just like we're about to do the director's commentary here. So, all right. Well, Scott Hornsby, David Stiles, thanks very much for joining us over the top cycling at Scratch Labs in Boulder, Colorado. Thanks for having us. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.